Good morning. In today's headlines, an update on the situation at the U.S.-Mexico border. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas says illegal crossings are down 50 percent since the lifting of Title 42. Others suggest it's all smoke and mirrors. Find out why. Hotels in New York City are being converted into shelters for illegal immigrants. And Texas continues busing migrants to Vice President Kamala Harris's neighborhood. We have the details. A tight election race in Turkey, a make-or-break runoff between incumbent President Erdogan and his chief challenger is looking likely. Vice Media files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Find out what's next for the media company that runs popular websites like Vice and Motherboard. And hear one woman's story from politics to running a beauty business and how her faith played a role in both. Good morning and welcome to NTD. I'm Tiffany Meyer in for Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It's May 15th. And you look great, Tiff, by the way. Thank you. I got it shortened. I feel lighter. I'm ready for summer. <laughs> Yay. All right. Um, we want to start into dive right into the news. We have a lot to get to. Police in the border city of Yuma, Arizona, are searching for a suspect in a shooting over the weekend. Two people were killed and five others injured. It happened Saturday night at a gathering in the, at a residential area. Police say the ages of those shot range from 15 to 20 years old. All were male. A 16-year-old among the survivors was flown to Phoenix with life-threatening injuries. The Yuma Police Department is asking anyone with information to call its anonymous tip line. They're offering a $1,000 cash reward if it leads to an arrest. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas says U.S. Border Patrol agents have seen a 50% drop in illegal crossing since the end of Title 42. But he says a surge at the border is still possible and that it is still too early to tell. Others suggest it's all just smoke and mirrors. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg tells us more. A 50% drop in the number of encounters. Mayorkas says U.S. Border Patrol agents had around 6,000 encounters with border crossers last Friday and around 4,000 on Saturday, down from the roughly 10,000 per day earlier last week before Title 42 ended. The Department of Homeland Security Secretary says that's because a vitally important message was communicated to migrants that there's a safe, lawful, and orderly way to arrive in the U.S. through legal pathways expanded by President Biden and consequences of deportation, a five-year ban on re-entry, and possible criminal prosecution if those pathways are ignored. We've been planning for this transition for months and months, and we've been executing on our plan, and we will continue to do so. Todd Bensman of the Center for Immigration Studies says the lower numbers are a result of the CBP-1 cell phone app and that the stats are being shifted to ports like this one at Matamoros, Brownsville, where hundreds are entering on unvetted humanitarian permits every hour. There's a whole bunch more coming. President Biden on Sunday acknowledged the drop in illegal border crossers and said he hopes the number continues to go down. Well, we have more, a lot more work to do, and we need some more help from the Congress as well in terms of funding and legislative changes. House Republicans recently approved a sweeping border security bill that House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says is the strongest the country has ever seen. President Biden has warned he'll veto the bill if it makes it to his desk in the unlikely case that it passes the Democrat-controlled Senate. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. 
Hotels in New York City are being converted into emergency shelters to accommodate illegal immigrants. That's because the city is experiencing an influx of people now that Title 42 is gone. The historic Roosevelt Hotel in Manhattan is being reopened after being closed for three years. Mayor Eric Adams said Saturday it will provide up to 1,000 rooms for those arriving in the coming weeks. Adams says New York has been seeing 500 illegal immigrant arrivals per day in recent weeks. Over 61,000 have asked for city services in the past year. Close to two dozen homeless veterans reported getting kicked out of hotels in upstate New York last week for what they think was to make room for illegal immigrants. An advocacy group arranges their stay at hotels until permanent housing for them can be found. And the founder of the nonprofit Helping the Veterans says while the hotels didn't state the reason for the dismissal, it was clear because of the timing. They think it's because the city is willing to pay more, up to $190 per night. The veterans have been relocated to other hotels. And Texas bused more migrants to an area near Vice President Kamala Harris's home that was at the Naval Observatory in Washington, D.C. yesterday. A busload also arrived on Thursday, a few hours before Title 42 ended. Texas Governor Greg Abbott has vowed to continue busing illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities like Philadelphia, New York and Chicago. He says he wants the Biden administration to take more action on border security. Vice Media filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection today. The company has reached a deal to be, brought by lender, to be bought by lenders, I shall say. The media group runs popular websites such as Vice and Motherboard. The move follows years of financial stress and top executive departures. Vice says it will be bought by a group of lenders that includes Soros Fund Management for $225 million. Vice was once valued at nearly $6 billion. It rose to prominence alongside its co-founder Shane Smith, who built his media empire from a single Canadian magazine. The company cancelled its weekly news broadcast last month and cut more than 100 jobs. At least one person has died and close to a dozen were injured when a tornado hit a small community in southern Texas on Saturday. The tornado caused damage to homes and power lines. Two people are listed as being in critical condition. NTD's Cost Jimenez has more. The tornado hit the unincorporated community of Laguna Heights at around 4 a.m. on Saturday when most residents were asleep. The community is located on the mainland across from South Padre Island, off the Gulf of Mexico. According to the National Weather Service, the tornado hit suddenly, without any prior warning, and lasted for two to four minutes. It reached wind speeds of up to 110 miles per hour and was categorized as an EF-1 tornado. Several dozen homes were damaged. Drone footage shows the extent of the damage. One man was crushed under a collapsing mobile home. Many residents suffered cuts and bruises. The Cameron County judge signed the disaster declaration. A temporary shelter in the nearby city of Port Isabel was providing help to dozens of people. A nighttime curfew for those 17 and under was issued by the judge and is expected to end May 16th. The order also forbids non-residents of Laguna Heights from entering its residential areas. The local sheriff's department said it was providing security for the area to deter looters. The county has among the highest poverty rates in Texas and is dotted with substandard housing. 
The Texas tornado follows an outbreak of dozens of twisters in neighboring Oklahoma, as well as in Kansas, Nebraska, and Colorado. Cost MNS, NTD News. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis campaigned in Iowa over the weekend. He made a surprise stop in Des Moines after speaking in Sioux Center and Cedar Rapids on Saturday. This after former President Trump canceled his outdoor rally in Des Moines because of severe weather and tornado warnings. DeSantis did not make any direct statement about a 2024 presidential run, but seemed to allude to it several times during his speech. Watch. I don't look at polls to tell me what to do. You know, my view is that a leader doesn't put their finger in the wind and try to see which way the wind's blowing. The leader should have the fortitude to chart a vision, to execute the vision and deliver results. And guess what happens when you do that? The polls will change in your direction anyways. The stakes are very high. Uh, and I can tell you this, uh, we're proud of what we've done in Florida. We're proud of what you have done in Iowa. But I have only begun to fight. So thank you all. And a Trump campaign spokesman said the sold-out Iowa event will be rescheduled at the first available date. Coming up, a look at the presidential election in Turkey. President Erdogan is locked in a tight election battle. Find out what happens next. And hear one woman's story from politics to running a beauty business and how her faith played a role in both. Welcome back. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan is locked in a tight election race today. A make-or-break runoff against his chief challenger on May 28th looks likely as the final votes are counted. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more on the pivotal election. The unofficial results show Erdogan with just over 49 percent of the vote, while opposition leader Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu has 45 percent. Erdogan told supporters he believes he will be victorious and finish the round with over 50 percent, the threshold required for avoiding a runoff. He noted that votes from those living abroad, of which he garnered 60 percent in 2018, still need to be tallied. If our nation has made its choice in favor of a second round of the election, then that is also welcome. This year's election largely centered on domestic issues such as the economy, civil rights and a February earthquake that killed more than 50,000 people. President Joe Biden chimed in on the election during a bicycle ride. Whoever wins, wins. I mean, uh, there's enough problems in that part of the world right now. Erdogan and his Islamist-leaning AKP have been in power since 2003. They enjoy strong support in rural, less developed areas of the country. Tayyip Erdogan until death. Tayyip Erdogan until the end. Erdogan has often clashed with the policies of his country's NATO allies during his tenure. He has also nurtured close relations with Moscow despite Russia's invasion of Ukraine early in 2022. But in recent years, Erdogan and his party have seen their popularity wane, fueled by an ongoing currency crisis. The pro-secular opposition Republican People's Party has promised to repair the high inflation and currency devaluation. It has also campaigned on reversing crackdowns on free speech and other forms of democratic backsliding. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Staying in Turkey, Twitter was in the hot seat this weekend. Users were blasting the social media platform for censoring content in Turkey just a day before its presidential election. 
Twitter announced Friday it would limit access in the country but didn't specify which content or accounts would be restricted. Users called out the company for actively working against free speech. Columnist Matthew Iglesias accused CEO Elon Musk of silencing critics on behalf of President Erdogan. He joked that there would eventually be Twitter files reporting about the incident. Musk defended the move on Saturday in the tweet to, to the columnist, saying the choice is between having Twitter throttled completely or limiting access to some tweets. He asked Iglesias which he would prefer. The CDC says every second each day, an adult 65 and older suffers a fall in the U.S. A team of engineering students in Houston has designed a possible solution to tackle that risk. Let's take a look. A group of engineering students from Rice University is working on a system to protect older adults from falling. The system includes a wearable device and an in-home monitoring system to map out the room layout along with an AI-mediated data processing element. We really wanted a system that could track um, location, activity within, within the home, and look at the patient's specific environment, um, see how they interact with all of that, and ultimately our goal is to just prevent those falls from happening and save lives. Doctors can also use this information to know how their patients move around at home and where the riskiest locations are in their space. In case of a fall, the system can trace back what happened surrounding the fall. What they were doing before the fall, where they were in their home when they fell, and we're detecting all this information so that doctors can use it to prevent future falls. To one of the team members, this project is deeply personal. Vanessa Garlip says her grandfather passed away due to a fall, and she doesn't want other families to suffer the same tragedy. There's a lot of existing fall detection methods out there. Life alert, there's your Apple Watch, which can even like alert um, medical attention when you fall and everything. But what we really wanted to tap into was the fall prevention space. The project aims to reduce fall-related risks and health care costs for seniors. According to the CDC, one in five falls causes a serious injury, like broken bones or a head injury for seniors 65 and older. Reporting by Chi Huin, NTD News. U.S. News has released its newest rankings for top law and medical schools. U.S. News, rank, U.S. News rankings are very influential. Students and employers all look at the schools that are at the top of the list, but the rankings also face considerable criticism. Entity's Faye Quarter has more. U.S. News's rankings for top law and medical schools are out. In medical, Harvard Medical School remained in first place. Among law schools, Yale University, which has criticized these rankings a lot, kept the top spot. Prestige is not really what you should be looking for when you're sending your child to college or when you're picking a college for yourself. You should be looking for what is whether it's going to be something where I can do well and I can uh, learn things and I can start my next stage of life. Jed McCosco is a professor at Wake Forest University. He says people use U.S. News to assess a school's prestige, but it's hard to measure intangibles. These may include school culture, the quality of teaching, and student engagement. U.S. News calculates its rankings based on many factors, such as graduation rates, social mobility, and faculty resources. For the more intangible aspects, it surveys experts, such as school presidents and deans. If the school has the resources to hire the most influential professors, well, then if you go to that school, you're going to be surrounded by influential professors. 
And the quality of education must be fairly high if a school consistently graduates very influential people. Schools have criticized ranking systems for years. Many top schools have even boycotted the rankings. Many say the rankings are unreliable and unfair and that they skew educational priorities. Yale boycotted the rankings for penalizing law schools that focus on certain types of work above others. When you're saying that you're turning an entire school into um, a single number or a set of small indicators, the reality is it's just more nuanced than that. Kiara Del Tito Sherritt is the founder of CDS Education Consulting. She advises that when looking for a college, students should think about what they're hoping to accomplish and then pick a college based on that. She also advises reading real reviews from students who've actually been to the schools. This is something U.S. News doesn't include in its rankings. Faye Quarter, NTD News. Next, from politics to running your own business, we sat down with Hope Harvard, founder and CEO of makeup company Hope Beauty, to learn about what role Faith played in changing not just her life, but empowering women. Hope Harvard, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Hope, you're the founder of makeup company Hope Beauty. So tell us how you started on this journey. So I actually did not get my start in makeup, but in the political world. I went to Clemson University for political science, graduated and went to work at the White House. I worked for President Trump in the West Wing for two years of his administration. And then after he left DC, I left too, came home to South Carolina and I felt very lost for a period of time. I remember vividly asking the Lord for another opportunity to serve him and my country at the same time because I, I loved having the purpose of getting to change culture for the kingdom of heaven. And so I, I prayed really hard one night. I remember crying, looking at the sky, all the drama. I went to sleep with a wet pillowcase and the next morning I woke up with this idea in my head to start a makeup line inspired by women of the Bible. It was like a divine download happened overnight. I was living with my mom at the time and I got up and ran downstairs and was like, Mom, I'm going to start a makeup line inspired by women of the Bible. And she's like, yeah, that's great, honey. Go put your clothes on. We're going to go for a power walk. And during that 45-minute walk, I had an idea for almost every woman of the Bible of how we could tie her story into a piece of makeup to share the gospel, but to also root women's identities into the Word of God so that when they're getting ready, it's not just in vain. They're not stressing about all the things that they have to do because I know if there are other women out, like me out there in the world. You know, you put on your makeup in a rush in the morning. You're like, you barely brush your hair and get out the door before you're thinking about the 50 gazillion things you've got to do on your to-do list today. Maybe your mom has got kids tucking on you, but you know, when I put on my Hope Beauty, it's like I recenter myself, focus on God. I don't focus on all the crazy to-do list things that I've got going on. I can just remember who I am in God and what He wants me to do for the day, which is honor Him and everything that we've got to do. And Hope, you mentioned your earlier political background and then now you're mm -hmm. a business owner. So what's your favorite aspect of this job? Definitely just getting to minister to women. I received testimony after testimony from women who have told me that they never felt beautiful in their own skin, that they caked on the makeup every single day trying to hide what was underneath the makeup, who God actually made them to be. And when they found Hope Beauty, it was like an awakening experience for their hearts to know that 
we don't put on makeup to change who we are or to change who God made us to be. It's just an enhancement and highlighting those wonderful features that God already made us. That's why, you know, I've got my marvelous mascara right here. That's why we call it marvelous mascara marvelous mascara because we are fearfully wonderfully and marvelously made by god so i had one girl tell me that she always sat on the school bus with her head down and her hood on because she hated her curly hair and she didn't like her face she's like i hated my nose i hated my cheeks i hated my eyes i didn't like anything about me but then i found you and you encouraged me to go to the word and see what god actually had to say about me and she said that when she first got in her hope beauty and she put it on she read the scriptures of Song of Songs that says, you are altogether lovely, darling, and there is no flaw in you. And she cried when she put on her whole beauty. And that has to be one of the most powerful testimonies I've got because when a woman knows who she is in Christ and lives in the power of God Almighty in her, then she is unstoppable because she's got Christ with her and she knows it. Hope Harvard, founder of Hope Beauty, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Up next, drums and dragon dances in central London. World Fallen Dafa Day was celebrated in the British capital over the weekend. That story after the break. Good to have you back. Drums and dragon dances brought joy to central London in celebration of Falun Dafa, also known as Falun Gong, an ancient practice based on moral teachings and slow-moving exercises. Entity's Jane Werrell sent us this report from London. Falun Dafa Day is celebrated across the world, including here in London. It's the 31st anniversary since the ancient practice was introduced to the public. And it's a really important day for believers to celebrate their faith in truthfulness, compassion and tolerance. And despite a brutal persecution in China, practitioners continue to uphold their belief in these values. Many practitioners have come under pressure to uh, give up their beliefs, um, and yet so many have, have not done so. And even if they can't publicly express their beliefs, uh, I know that they continue to, to practice uh, uh, where, where possible. I want to express my deep admiration for your courage in standing by your important values of truthfulness, compassion and forbearance. Speaking at the event, Deputy Chair of the Conservative Party Human Rights Commission, Benedict Rogers, said he would continue to stand up for the rights of those persecuted in China. The founder of Hong Kongers in Britain, Simon Cheng, said he stands with the Falun Dafa community and will continue to advocate for their rights. Former surgeon and human rights campaigner Enver Toti who's witnessed horrific crimes in China, also expressed his support. I'm coming here to support and to show the support and to show and uh, to spread the value, value of this Falun practitioner and practice so that many, many people could be saved. For practitioners, it's a day of celebration. I kind of feel like you're part of the dragon, you know, when you're when you're dancing together and it's like, and it's really nice to see like the audience enjoy it, the children really like it, you know, they've got smiles on their face. I'm thankful to Master Lee Honshi for introducing this wonderful practice of general public, uh, which helped me a lot. On normal days, I wouldn't think so much about how precious it is that I have it, but today then it feels more special. Jane Worrell, NTD News, London. You know, they had a big parade in Midtown Manhattan as well. 
Indeed, we did cover that in the special. And also they had parades in Berlin, all around the world, really. Yeah, that's right. And you know what else happened over the weekend? Tell me. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did you know that Mother's Day became an official U.S. holiday in 1914? I didn't. Traditional gifts like flowers or cards are given, and this year's no exception. What did you do for Mother's Day? I, I honestly just gave my mom a call and told her I loved her, but I also gave all the gifts I have to give her this year. I gave her when I visit her, visited her earlier this month, so yeah. But I'm pretty sure she already opened them way ahead of time. What did you do? So you're ahead of the curve. I also <laughs> gave my mom a call. Okay. All right. <laughs> and actually, if you know, there's a survey from the National Retail Federation that predicted consumers would spend nearly $36 billion on this for this year. But of course, besides the gifts, it's also about appreciation and gratefulness. We spoke with some people who shared their appreciation. When I would cut up at school and, you know, she would always be there with a straight face, um, <laughs> fully supporting, not too angry. No matter how hard the situation is, she can always inspire you. So I think that's my mom's greatest strength. She would, so I know that she likes to get her nails and her hair done, but when she wouldn't get it done, it was because she would buy us new clothes and new shoes. And then once I got, once I reached a certain age, I realized that. And then I stopped asking for certain stuff because I was, I was grateful and I was content with what I had. So it's always great hearing from people, especially just random people on the street. Yeah, I agree. I love that part. All right. Happy Mother's Day, belated Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. We're wrapping up today's program. We'd love to hear from you as always. Write us at goodmorning at ntd.com if you have anything to share. That's it for today. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Tiffany Meyer.